where we are in the fourth part of our prayer series. And I have just been uh, looking at Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Because we need to learn how to pray. It's not always as intuitive to us as it should be. We Sometimes we think that, man, I've got to learn this flowery language and be able to talk to God on this level. And I've got to sound like the King James Bible when I talk to God. And no, you don't. Sometimes we think that well, there are certain subject matters that are just kind of off limits. That God, you know, we just shouldn't talk to God about that. You know, I wouldn't want that subject coming up if I was in the presence of Jesus. I don't want that part of me to be talked about. But guess what? Those are some of the things that he wants us to talk to him about. And we're going to begin to look at this. And we're looking here in the Word. If you've got your YouVersion uh, app open or your, your paper notes, then we're just going to go ahead and cruise right into this because prayer is a vital part of our relationship with God. And Jesus taught us the basics of having a life-giving conversation with our Father. You have to remember that that's who we're addressing Yes, he's the creator of the universe. Yes, he's, he's majesty. Yes, he's all of these wonderful things. But for you and I, we've, we have embraced his chief role that he wants to be for us. He is father. And that's how he wants us to come to him. See, Luke in verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. So here they are. They're listening. They're hearing Jesus pray. And as soon as they hear Jesus pray, they're like, ooh, we need to learn how to pray. You pray different. Teach us how to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation now this is not a verbatim prayer that we're supposed to pray only these words now i know a lot of people like to pray that people memorize it and pray it you're like wait a second preacher you've messed it up because where's all the other stuff that i know for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory well that's in matthew's version like well, why are they different Because the point wasn't for it to be these specific words. The point is it's a model prayer. And both Matthew and Luke hit on the exact same idea flow. And so it's more to be, he's teaching a model. He said, these are the things I want you talking to me about. This is how I want you to address me. This is a peek into the heart of how things are going to go. And we've used this video a couple of times. And I love that it shows how this can be used as a model. Can you roll that, please? God, you are greater than anything this world has to offer. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us. But until that time comes, would you help me just to, just to live my life day after day as if I'm just walking hand in hand with you? God, I, I have a lot of needs. And I have a lot of wants. <laughs> Sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to just trust you to meet my needs and be thankful when you give me those other things that I just want. God, I have blown it so many times today, and I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. 
And God, as I start this day out, I'm just reminded that this world is filled with so many spiritual potholes. Please help me to walk in such a way where I won't stumble so much. And as I'm going through this day, God, help me to live my life in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. May the life that I live be a life of worship to you. Amen. See, it's not about saying those necessarily those exact words, but it's these are the things. We talked about that God wants us to address him as father, that he wants us to talk to him about his kingdom right off the bat, what his plans for redemption and, and bringing humanity back to him and, and taking what's been turned upside down and jacked up and turned into a train wreck of a world and making it right again. That's God's kingdom. It's setting things back the way they should be. And he wants us to think about that and pray about that and want to be a part of that. Even before the rest of this stuff. He wants us to, to talk to him about the stuff we need on a daily basis. For us to lean to him and look to him as our provider. And then after we've looked at those things, then so many times this, is, this piece finally comes up. And we think, especially you talk, you poll some some person out on the street that maybe purposely didn't go to church this morning, that they're somewhere else today at this very moment. You say, well, what is on the forefront of God's mind? Well, how bad I've been and all my naughtiness. That is what's on the forefront of God's mind. Here we, we read what Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And that's, that, the issues come up, are the, the, the trip-ups, the, the stuff that gets in the way of us living and choosing life over and over again. Remember, Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. But we're still choosers. He said before us, life and death, blessing and cursing. And when we use our choices to undercut the life that God is trying to bring into our lives, that is sin. That's what that is. It. That's what those things are. And we can categorize them and do all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, sin comes down to not believing that God's right on every front. This comes to not trusting him. That's the core issue of sin. And here it is. It finally comes up. And I think it's interesting for us to look at that. Because we, we, will, we won't think about things quite in the right way. We'll begin to think about our dealings with, with God, that he expects this one little thing out of us, or, or maybe that we need to pray about others, because that comes up in this part of the prayer. I, I think there's uh, Robert Louis Stevenson had uh, shared an, an anecdote that uh, I thought was, was pretty humorous. Robert Louis Stevenson is, of course, the writer of, a, of a Treasure Island and great uh, ad, uh, adventure and gave us Long John Silver. And, of course, you know what that did for our community, so... <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, anyways, but, uh, anyways, he tells a story as, uh, of a, as a little boy that, I uh, said that, uh, uh, mama, uh, you know, you can't be good without praying. And, uh, so his, him and his mom get into this little, this little interaction. And so, uh, he at some point ends up getting in trouble because he didn't be good, wasn't being good. So she sends him to his room. They had time out way back then. And, um, and so he goes to his room, and he begins to pray. And he prays as a little boy. And his mama, he comes out, and he tells his mama that he prayed. And his mama says, well, what did you pray about? Did you pray 
that God would help you to be a good little boy. And he said, nope, I did not pray that I would be good. I prayed that you would be able to put up with me. (laughs) And we can have those two ideas. You know, God, God, help me to be the perfect person. And think that that when we talk about this sin stuff, that that means that we're supposed to never, ever, ever mess up. And we don't have room to to fail forward and to to grow in process. And that or on the other end of the extreme. Well, if I'm not going to look at the being perfect issue, well, then everybody just better put up with me the way I am. And that's not the, the, the truth is in the middle. The truth is the fact that God wants us to to pursue the picture of what he's making us into. He's growing us into the image of Christ, which is perfection. But there is the grace to be able to be loved and and cared for and a part of the kingdom as we are growing in process. That is the the beauty of of the relationship with God. That is what all this is about. And we, we have to understand that God wants us to recognize that he alone is our source of forgiveness. That he alone is our source of forgiveness. So many times we may begin to think that, that okay, well, we all of this other process. Well, I've got to pay penance, and I've got to pray this much, and I've got to do all these things. No, no, no. We, he alone is our source of forgiveness. Luke 11, 4a. And before I read this, I've got to reiterate now, he's talking to Jewish, Jewish men, okay? He's in a Jewish model that there were, they had a sin-conscious society. They had a kajillion different rules that they had to follow. And then they had this elaborate sacrificial system to undo all of their breaking of the rules. And so their forgiveness of sin was found in all of their processes, it was found in, okay, we do this, well then here is this, here is this sacrifice for sin. Then we have this sacrifice that's going to cover the entire Jewish nation. And then we talk about our sins over this scapegoat guy. And then we sacrifice the Paschal Lamb. And we do all this process and forgiveness is ours for a little window. A little one year window until we come to the next one. That was their mindset of all of these processes to create forgiveness. And here Jesus inserts this about looking directly to Father God for forgiveness. This is mind-blowing to them. To just talk to God about that, that for him to present and bring forgiveness, that there's not all of these other things that, oh God, accept this and forgive me, accept my acts, accept these different things. He just says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive those who sin against us. Now, this is early in his discipleship process, and he is training them to look to Father God to alone to provide forgiveness. Then we get to the end of his ministry. And he begins to bring them in on the full plan, Matthew 26. He's already sown their seed, the seeds in their hearts that it's, we're looking to God. We're not looking to a system. We're not looking to all these different things. We're looking to God. And here we are, Matthew 26. Matthew only goes through 28 chapters. 
Here we are in Matthew 26, 28. It says, while they were eating, doing what we just did, the Lord's Supper, okay? What we just celebrated. This is Matthew's take on it. It says, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. You're going, what? What? Well, no, there's all this system. There's all this other thing. You've taught us to begin to, to pray and say, God, God, we need forgiveness. We need it from you. And then here he begins, shows them the model that he was going to provide the forgiveness. See, the tension in there is the fact that we don't deserve it. And the going through the system and going all this kind of stuff makes you feel like you did a little bit of something to help set it right. Man, we jumped through all these hoops and we did all this different stuff, but when it's just outright mercy and grace, it crumples everything. I've shared this story multiple times, and it's still one of the prettiest stories I've ever seen for, <clears throat> for the response. But when we were, we had not launched the church yet, the church was going, and we were having a meeting at our house, and, and uh, Carson was about six years old at this point. And um, so we had a Nerf swords, and so we played Nerf fights and all this stuff. And, and just right before, we got the house all straightened up at the last minute, and, and uh Got that we're sitting there just goofing around and Carson has the nerf sword and I've got a nerf sword and I swing and I whack him and I whack him too hard. I hit him a, a good leg, just hit right and stung him and it made him cry. And so my immediate response is is as Carson buddy, I I'm so sorry. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Just just hit me. Just go ahead and you know, an eye for an eye here, buddy. You know, what? That's what I'm doing. That was my immediate response. So I just go ahead and I just tense up. I was bracing myself. And no, my son did not get to brace it. I wasn't chicken. It hurts. <laughs> Nerf does not mean no sting. Just stings a little less. So I was ready. And I told him, I said, Carson, all right, bring it. And I was ready for him to bring the judgment, to bring the, I had whacked him, him to whack me back. He has the sword in his hand. And he looks at me and he goes, Daddy, this is what I'm bringing. And he comes up and he gives me this big old hug. And I'm just like, oh. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Have this incredible moment in the kitchen. But that's it, folks. That's it. We want the other system, that is our natural response. We begin to recognize that we've jacked up. We've wronged God and we've wronged others. And now, God, let me fix it. Let me do this. Let me undo this. Let me, let me do this. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll read my Bible all the time. I'll do all these different things. I'll give, give, give. I'll do all these different things for you, God. And he's like, I've provided for it. I've provided and you, we spend time together to grow our relationship. But it's not to earn forgiveness, folks. 
We come to church so that we can learn about this great life that we have in God, but it's not to get forgiven. We read the Bible so that we can have an understanding of all that has been freely given to us, but it's not to get forgiven. It's, it's that is given to us. That is ours. So as we begin to do it, that's why I love the way he shows us in the model prayer. Because this was pre-cross when Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he's training them to look for forgiveness from the Father. But on this side of it, forgiveness has been provided for from the Father. It's already been provided. So in the, when the way our guy on the screen so beautifully showed us is that as we're embracing this model, we recognize, man, I've tripped up. There have been some stuff. I've, I've not done it right today. And I thank you for your forgiveness. And his words are, I don't take it for granted. It's not begging it. Oh, I'm out from under your forgiveness. Do it again. No, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. That is the beautiful thing. And as we begin to talk and bring up these different issues, these are things that undercut the complete salvation that God has for us. He wants whole life salvation. And as we begin to willfully operate in things that are outside of his will, they hurt us. And as discipleship process is getting rid of those different things. The reason he may talk to you and begin to talk to you about these different things is because they're hurting your life and he cares about you. See, this is the, this is the gospel that Paul preached. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Exactly what Jesus was talking about with his disciples in Matthew 26. The forgiveness of sin in accordance with with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Acts 13, he's speaking to the church in Antioch, and he says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that, that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Not a new set of hoops to jump through. It is Jesus that forgiveness is, is proclaimed. That's the good news. Guess what? You're forgiven. That's the good news. The good news isn't, hey, guess what? God hates you, and there's a way for you to jump through some hoops to make him unhate you. No, it's, you didn't give a rip about him this morning, and he loves you, and he made a, he, he, he's forgiven you. That's the good news. And you're like, seriously? I really don't like God right now. Well, guess what? He loves you. That's the good news. That is the good news of the gospel. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. It will not provide it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's only through Jesus Christ. Take care. And this is where the, the, this comes in. And we have to understand what happens here? He's, pro he's telling this. He's proclaiming it. He says, man, there's this underlying thing to want to come back to the, to the law of Moses. And he says, take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. What did the prophets say? What does he not want us to happen to us? Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your day that you would never believe, even if someone told you. What's that thing that no one can wrap their mind around? That God would just flat pay it all. 
that he would just flat pay it all. That forgiveness is ours. And people scoff and they wonder and they say that just can't be right and it's too dang good. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Why is forgiveness such a big deal? Forgiveness is such a big deal because he wants a relationship with you and he wants, and if there is no forgiveness, there is no relationship. It just doesn't happen. That's why God also wants us to talk to him about our issues with other people. That's why this finds its way in here along. That we, God, I thank you, Lord, forgive me and help me to be able to forgive others as well. Forgiveness is a decision. And in light of the great forgiveness that has been poured on us from God, we, it ought to be a natural response. I love the way that the message translation reads this passage. Keep us forgiven with you. In that mentality of being that we are forgiven. Don't let us shift from that mentality of understanding we're forgiven and forgiving others. We can always get out into that place where all of a sudden we quit forgiving people. Colossians, Paul had to remind the the believers again, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you (coughs) has a grievance against one another, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive as he has forgiven you. This is so vital. Because this stuff begins to, it begins to, to pile up and has negative ramifications all over the place. We have to be dis, dispense it freely. Matthew 18 gives a beautiful example. And I think it's funny that Peter, Peter doesn't ask here. So he doesn't ask, how many times will God forgive me? He gets to the rubber meets the road and that where we really have our issues. And that's with each other. It says, and then Peter came to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Now, how, how much can I have get forgiveness from God? It's, I got to forgive everybody else. Okay, how many times? Seriously? There's got to be a limit to this. Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times or other translation says seven times 70 just depends on how you want to put the greek at any rate it's way more and this is talking about in a day another translation says how many, this is how many times you have to do it in a day i have never in my life had to forgive somebody 77 times in a day now my wife has maybe had to do it with me but i've never had to do it with anybody And then he goes on and begins to paint this picture with this parable. And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Here's the king. He's got all the authority. He's ruling. Not a businessman. He's a king. He says, and he began the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Do it more, a better translation of 10,000 talents, which in a talent was a year's wages. So in our American culture, we'll say an average household, we'll say that's, that a year's income for an average household, is, we'll call it $50,000, okay? And so this is 10,000 years wages. 10,000 years wages. $50,000 is a household, average household income for, for, for one year. 
that's half a billion dollars, $500 million this guy owes the king. People go insane when the Powerball gets even close to that number. This is a huge number. Jesus is just making it gigantic. He says, and since he was not able to pay the half a billion dollars the master ordered, then he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me. And he, he begged and he said, and I'll, I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Half a billion dollars released to him. Huge, unpayable debt release. So that <clears throat> but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins or a hundred denarius, which a denarius was one day's wage, just an average wage earner. So a hundred days wages. They worked six days a week, took the Sabbath off. So this is around four months or so of income. Again, going back to the other, we're looking at about a little over fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000. Okay, it's a lot of money. This guy owed him sixteen grand. I think all of us would say that's a decent amount of money. Nothing in compared to half a billion dollars. But that's hard to just say forget about it. But this guy now doesn't have anything oppressive hanging over him. When you got half a billion dollars, every little bit counts that you got to pay back. When you've been freed, he's now in a position to freely forgive this guy. He's to freely forgive it. But what does he do? What does he do? It says he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back me what you owe. He demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. Same story, same reply, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back his money. And when the other man saw, everyone else saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in, you're a wicked servant, I canceled everything because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? And in anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly father should you unless you forgive others from your very own. Here is this place, folks, where we begin to have issues with forgiving one another whenever we begin to look not from heaven's perspective, but from man's perspective. From man's perspective, the 16 grand was a lot of money. Yeah, he owed it. Do everything you pay him back. From what had been done unto him, it was absolutely, absolutely nothing in comparison. We tend to walk in a place of unforgiveness when we forget how much we've been forgiven. When we forget what a huge, incredible thing that God did on our behalf. And we begin to take these little offenses from one another. And say, you own should have never done that to me and I'll never forgive you 
and all of these different things, and it's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous from heaven's perspective. Does that say that what they did against you didn't matter? No. Does that mean it was little and petty? No. Jesus didn't say the guy owed two mites, a copper coin, he owed a penny, and he threw a fit over it. No, he painted a picture that this was a significant thing. But we still should forgive anyways. People are going to hurt you in significant ways, and we forgive anyways. Does that mean that there's no consequence for them? No, consequence follow. Does that mean that you have to give them opportunity to hurt you again? No, that's wisdom. But to hold this grudge in your heart will kill you from the inside. It will destroy you. It will absolutely eat you alive. Matthew 5, Jesus begins to talk about this. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift on the altar, this is back in the old broken system, trying to find forgiveness and all that in the other system. He says, this is even more important than your broken system. It says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember your brother and sister has something against you, walk away from that activity and go and get that dealt with first. See, folks, we have, we're, everything's boiled down to loving God and loving others. And if we don't embrace the forgiveness that God has for us, then we can't love Him. And if we don't understand that and begin to forgive others, then we can't love each other. We just flat can't. See, Romans twelve eighteen says, For it is, <clears throat> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, somebody else may decide they just flat want to be your enemy. See, that was what God did with the whole world. As far as it depended on him, he had reconciled the entire world to himself. And there are people who still stand as enemies of God. But that he still has reconciled the world to him. He's asked us that for us to begin to operate on that level. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. Does that mean you're going to have peace in every relationship? No. Because other people can go haywire and go crazy. But as far as it's your, your part, then that's what you do. This is so important. If we don't let this come in, it will eat us alive from the inside out. See, God's work of making us more like him involves our relationship with others. And we close with this. 1 John 1, 7. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, he is the light of the world, and in him there is no darkness. If we begin to walk and pursue what he says, we have fellowship with one another. Oh, my gosh. We're being with him, and now we're connected with each other. We're not rat-holed and pushed away from each other. Ah, uh-huh, we're in right relationship with each other. We're in fellowship. We're con- connecting and, and hanging out with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So as we are connecting with the body of Christ, then the work of God purifying and taking out the, the mess-ups and the mistakes and, and our habits and all that, then that begins to work out of us? Yes. Yes, these two things work hand-in-hand. Hand. Us having this sin issue in our lives and us, having, us dealing with each other, these things, God has designed it to where those, that cleansing process works together. That's why Jesus had us pray that on this, forgive us our sins and then keep us in right relationship with each other. These things work together. He designed them to work together. 
says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. So we all need this. Don't be deceitful and think you don't need this. Well, I don't have to hang out with everybody because I'm already good. Yeah, you're, you need a lot of hanging out time. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, all right, I want you to understand this word here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This confess, this is not the, the confess of you, the cops catch you and you're like, yes, I did it. This isn't the confess of that you admit to something. This confess, you know what this word means? This, this word is the Greek word of homologia, which is to say the same. This when we confess is that we call it, we recognize it, what God says it is. You have not confessed until you say what God says about it. Then God says that this is destructive. This is unhealthy. And that is confessing our sin, is aligning. Because otherwise we'll, we'll paint little pretty pictures and, and, well, and I can do it and I only do it sometimes. And, oh, it's really not that bad or any of that kind of stuff. And we will keep it in our lives. And as soon as we begin to say what God says about it, we just look at the word. That's unhealthy. Me blowing up, that is unhealthy for me and my family. You don't, it's not going into it and making all the excuses. Well, I had a rough day or this is that. No, 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 no. This is destructive. That is simply what that is. So as, as we are believers, as our sin and our relationship, is that dealt with at the cross? Completely. A hundred percent. We are right and we are forgiven. Do we still have issues that we have to grow and as we're being purified? Like First John says, absolutely. That all of a sudden our choices and our habits and all of those things begin to be worked out in us. And that happens as we simply begin to say what God says about it and align ourselves with the body of Christ and allow that to hang in out. That's one of the things why we like men's retreats and women's retreats and small groups and getting involved in ministry together because all of a sudden we begin to encourage one another and pray for one another and support one another and be there for one another and it makes all of those, that perfecting process grow. See, all relationships grow through communication and Jesus models for us how to talk to God in a life-giving way. Our sin issue is not the first thing on his mind, folks. Us being his father is the first thing on his mind. Us getting excited about the kingdom of God is the next thing on his mind. He wants to take care of the stuff that you got to deal with every day on his mind. And finally, down here, the last couple of things we talk about are our little trip-ups and the temptations, the stuff that allures, that pulls us in to trip up. That's where all of that falls in there. Do we need the purification? Yeah. But is he our father the whole time? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know what that last part is called? It's called growing up. Last part's just called growing up in our faith, growing up in our relationship with God. That's it. So this morning, I want to create a quiet moment. That if you're here this morning... And you want to say, Brandon, then I want that. I've been going through all sorts of religious motions trying to please God and deal with my sin and deal with my shortcomings and all this. 
And I recognize today that God simply wants to be my father, that he's done the work and forgiveness is mine.